Welcome to the podcast of Leeds First Methodist Church. We are so glad you decided to tune in with us today. The following sermon was preached by Pastor Chris, and it is the last sermon in our church's Victory in Jesus series. If you would like to watch the entire worship service, you can do so by visiting our website at leadsfirst.org, and at the top of the page, go to Worship and click on Watch Worship Online. We're in the finale of our series, Victory in Jesus, that began on Easter Sunday, where we made the obvious statement, no one likes to lose. But for followers of Jesus, especially those on that first Easter weekend, between Friday and Sunday, they felt all of God's glory had been defeated. But when Sunday came and the tomb was empty in the resurrection of Jesus, there is a hope. There is a promise of a future for you, for those first disciples and for you. That even in the midst of life's circumstances that may feel impossible, God's victory is promised. We've got a key verse that's guided us through this series, and it comes from Psalm 118, verse 15, and it reads, Songs of joy and victory are sung in the camp of the godly. The strong right arm of the Lord has done glorious things. Today in our finale, victory in Jesus through suffering. Victory in Jesus through the suffering of life. Well, I'm going to ask another obvious question. Does anybody like having a bad day? No. I don't either. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Right? I don't even like having a bad morning bad afternoon or a bad evening. In fact, I don't like having a bad hour. I don't like having a bad phone call or a bad meeting, right? Like, who wants the bad stuff in life? To get through it, I've kind of classified the bad days. See if these resonate with you. I have my bad weather days. I have my, my mistake days. And then I have my, I'm going to get you days. My bad weather days are literally kind of related to just the happenstance of life or the, when the rain comes, right? Like I left my car windows down because there was like a musty odor and of course it rained and it made it worse. Or that rain turned into the road getting slick and I slid off in the ditch. Or even worse, right, whenever the, disasters of nature strike makes for a bad day when they say when it rains it pours those are the bad weather kind of days have another kind of bad day which is my mistake days this is like i overslept was late getting to work late getting to work missed the meeting missed the meeting and my boss got on to me my boss got on to me and eventually fired me because i was fired i didn't have income because i didn't have income i couldn't make the house payment because I couldn't make the house payment, I didn't have a house, right? The kind of bad days like that, but they're my own doing, right? The things we do that mess us up, those are the my mistake days. But then there's the I'm going to get you days. Do you all know what I mean by these? These are the days when someone else messes me up, right? Like I'm driving home from a lunch 
back to work and somebody rear-ends my truck. <laughs> or, right, the mechanic puts the wrong oil or the wrong part on my car and it goes from needing an oil change to needing a new engine, right? I'm going to get you kind of days. The kind of days where you go to the doctor for a mild symptom and they give you the wrong medicine or one that causes a reaction and it puts you in the hospital. Or you're just minding your own business, innocent of everything, and because you match the description of your car, the police pull you over or arrest you. Those are the kind of, I'm going to get you kind of days, right? Where the other people do something that hurts me, and I want to get you. I can do pretty good with the weather days, although it's tough if you get up and forget to put a jacket on or carry an umbrella and it ruins your day. I even somehow have gotten through life where I can forgive the my mistake kind of days, right? You forgive yourself because what are you going to do? But if it's somebody else's fault, it's hard for me to get over that I'm going to get you kind of days. Now, anybody with me on that? Right? That's the hard part of life. As followers of Jesus, how are we to respond to the bad days, the bad weather days, the my mistake days, and especially the I'm going to get you kind of days? Right? I know we don't always like those bad days, so how would God use us, or if you are a follower of Jesus, in those circumstances of life that cause suffering? So we're going to look at this passage to know what God might teach us in enduring those and surviving those, even having victory through those. So today we're going to look at what it means to follow Jesus and to trust him through suffering. If you've got a Bible, I invite you to take it out or turn it on. Or if you uh, click the link on the here text back, it's going to have the passages from First Peter. That's in the New Testament. We're going to look at chapter 2 in just a minute. You see, Peter's writing to churches who find themselves in the midst of some level of suffering. They were churches that were kind of countercultural or in the cultural minority because they followed Jesus and they not only put their trust in him, but they did what he said. They followed his commands and they put, that put them in the moral minority as well. And so they find themselves under some persecution for doing what's right. This chapter intends to strengthen those who follow Jesus while you're suffering unjustly. This passage does not go so far as to teach a systematic theology of the evil in the world. There's other parts of the Bible that do that. It does not even go so much as to teach those who are oppressing others to bring repentance. There are places that do that in the Bible. And it doesn't even get to the point of how you might help others that are suffering, although that is a truth and is found in the Bible. This is more a letter of pastoral care than pastoral instruction. It's more of an encouragement than an education for those who are suffering to know God is with you and God has a good for you even when it looks like it's bad. So let's look now to 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll begin reading in verse 19. The words will be on the screen. The words are in the, the online worship guide. Or if you got your Bible, follow along. I'm reading the New Living Translation. 1 Peter 2 verse 19 begins. 
For God is pleased when, conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you're beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. Verse 21. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example. And you must follow in his footsteps. He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. Verse 24, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Once you were like sheep with, who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your soul. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say, thanks be to God. Well, verse 21 reminds its original audience and you and I here today that Christ suffered unjustly. Right? There's any doubt about it? I often say the gospel is most clearly said, or the best way I know to say it, is Christ lived a perfect life. He died a guiltless death and rose from that death, giving victory over sin and death to those who believe and follow him. Christ died a guiltless death. That was his calling. That was his purpose on earth. So that is why he suffered for you, that you might be healed. His suffering was also an example for you to follow whenever you face suffering. If we look on down past that, verse 21 and verse 22 through 24, it says that Christ committed no sin nor any deceit, and though being reviled, he did not revile others in return. The suffering, he uttered no threats in return. He just kept entrusting himself to God. He bore our sins on his body on the cross. The New Interpreter's Bible commentary says about this passage, Our faith in Jesus will not deliver us from the responsibility to follow in his footsteps. You get that? Our faith in him will not deliver us from the responsibility to follow in his footsteps. Strengthened because we look to Christ as example and as our redeemer. Through his silence, obedience, and trust, he was opened to us. For he has opened to us the imperishable inheritance that no earthly master can tarnish or destroy. The promise or the hope and the resurrection of Jesus is exactly the promise and hope for you to give you victory when you encounter suffering. Christ suffered for you. Christ's suffering was to give you freedom. Christ's suffering gave you the power over your suffering. And his death and resurrection, his ultimate purpose gives you the promise of hope even though, or even especially, when you face suffering. 
Let's look now at this passage in more depth that you might know or experience the truth of God that would guide you and give you victory through suffering. If you've got your worship bulletin, your online guide, these points are in there. You can take notes, fill in the blank that they might be helpful to you. Number one, victory through suffering pleases God. Victory through suffering pleases God. Verse 19 says, For God is pleased when, conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. This verse does not say God is pleased to make you suffer. It does say God is pleased when you get victory on the other side of suffering. To please God, it says you must be conscious of God's will. To be conscious of God's will, you must know God. You must know his character. You must know his commands. You must have the power to do those. To know God is to be consumed by God's will. How do we know God? Too much suffering is made worse by the trickery of the devil. Right? The devil throws all these lies. You see, you're suffering. (laughs) <laughs> Do y'all hear that sometimes? Right? Feels like the devil's literally laughing at you. Well, if God really loved you, right? So to have victory through suffering, you need the truth of God. You get that truth foremost and primarily through Scripture, the Holy Scripture, the Bible. Through reading God's Word found in the Scripture through moving towards godly teaching and preaching that's founded in Scripture, to pray for God's power to help you to understand His character and His truth in Scripture, to move towards accountability with others that would say, hey, let's get together and read Scripture. Let's hold each other accountable for applying it in our lives core of the Christian faith in practice is knowing God through Scripture and allowing God's Spirit to guide us in applying that in our life. In verse 21, it highlighted that Jesus suffered unjustly. Right? Don't lose sight of that, that he didn't deserve a single strike from the whips or the crown of thorns on his head or the nails in his hands or feet. But his suffering was an example for you. Therefore, if you follow the path of Jesus, you will encounter suffering. Now, you're not Messiah. You're not doing the work that Jesus did. But if you follow Jesus, it may feel like at times you're walking the very steps of suffering, of persecution, of people doing all kinds of evil to you of saying all kinds of evil about you, this passage reminds you God is with you. In fact, Jesus goes before you, enduring suffering. Number one, victory through suffering that pleases God. Number two, victory through suffering, not punishment. Victory through suffering, not punishment. Verse 20, the first part says, of course, you get no credit for being patient if you're beating, beaten rather for doing wrong. 
That doing wrong is the root word for sin in the Greek New Testament. And it's talking about doing an act that's contrary to the will of God. So if we're to please God by lining up with his conscience and following Jesus and going, the sin is when we turn away from that or do the opposite of that and do acts that are counter to God. It says you don't get any credit when you suffer for doing wrong. In other words, whenever you get punished for doing wrong, you can't say, oh, woe is me. Well, I guess you can say that, but that's not what saying is pleasing to God. This passage does not endorse you doing wrong and you calling your punishment suffering. We want to get more on that. Look back up in this passage in Second, or excuse me, First Peter chapter two, verse sixteen. This passage does not instruct you to seek a kind of false martyrdom, right? Where you kind of throw yourself down and say, "Oh, look how they're mistreating me," whenever it's not really happening. Y'all know that term, martyrdom. And especially, this passage does not endorse the mistreatment of others. If you read up above this passage in the chapter in 2 Peter, it talks about being a slave or enslaved to others or a servant to others. And because this passage is primarily written to those that are in that condition of being an enslaved person or a servant, it's care for them. The silence that condemns the wrongdoing does not imply that they did good in holding slaves. In fact, if you read other places in the Bible, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It says, are you a slave? Don't let that worry you, but if you have a chance to be free, take it. And in the book in the New Testament called Philemon, or Philemon, if you call it that way, Paul is writing to a person that is enslaving another person and says, you should let them be free. Nothing in this scripture speaks as an endorsement of slavery or the owning of other people or their offspring or forcibly owning them to do work without wages. So if you're doing wrong to others, stop it and repent of it. If you're doing wrong, you receive the discipline or the punishment for it, learn from it, but don't call it suffering. And if you have the power to stop the evil of others, the Bible teaches you to use it. If you have the power to overcome injustice, vote. You have the power to overcome injustice, protest. If you have the power to overcome injustice, use your words, your spoken words, your written words, your artistic expressions, whatever you can do, bring the love and truth to bear that others or yourself might be freed from that case. But this passage says God is pleased when you suffer for doing God's will. Suffering from the hand of others or those that are in authority over you. When you endure that, God is with you. And there's an implication that God will use that even to transform others. Victory through suffering, not punishment. Number three, victory through suffering patiently. Victory through suffering patiently. The second part of verse 20 
reads, but if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. We Americans tend to fall back into the pre-Christ era where might makes right or if, you know, you, you think is all is going all right that you must be doing right. Or if you're healthy, wealthy, or wise, you must be okay in God's eyes, right? We kind of tend to equate prosperity with God's blessing or his presence. This term, to do right, means we actually do right, but it might mean that we suffer, experience pain. So if you're experiencing that in your life, it doesn't necessarily mean you're not right in the middle of what God wants for you in your life or God can use in your life. This passage from 1 Peter cites the passage that in Isaiah, written hundreds of years before the life of Jesus, foreshadows or tells what Jesus would suffer. Here are these words from Isaiah 51, or excuse me, 53. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sin, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away, but we have left God's paths to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Following the example of Christ, God uses the suffering you endure to be a transforming agent in this age. You see, sometimes when we misguide or are misguided by receiving a blessing and think, whew, God's done. We kind of get lethargic or we kind of think, well, just give me more of that. And that tends to be, at least the numbers bear this out, the story of the Christian church in America. With all the freedoms you and I enjoy as followers of Jesus in this country, the number of Christians in this country has declined 30% over the last 30 years. A recent article says that in the 90s, 1990s, there were almost 90% of Americans said they identified somehow as a Christian. Now, in 2020, that's down to 64%. And then you think, well, what about when we suffer? Does that help the church? I don't know. But I know God can use the suffering like he used Christ. Many of you know of the church, the Christian church in China. A place where it's been illegal in a, a lot of ways oppressive, especially for those who follow Jesus. But if you look back in the middle of the 20th century, there studies show there might be between a million and maybe at most five million Christians in China. But over the last half of the 20th century, that grew to over 50, and some studies say 100 million Christians. 
It's hard to get an exact count because if you raise your hand, sometimes that means you go to jail. But in the midst of that suffering, Christ has been glorified. And more and more and more people have decided Jesus is the one that's worth following. No master, no earthly master can take away what only Jesus can give. No sorrow, no grief, no suffering can take away what God promises to you. In fact, if you're in the midst of suffering, look for the way God would use you. As He used Christ, as He used Christians throughout history to make a difference. This passage is clear. The persecution you may endure is not by God's design, but God will sure enough be pleased if through that you endure the suffering. Conscious of His will, you act. That by following His will, you're part of a harvest of righteousness. Some of that in this life, in your life, and in those around you, but for sure, for sure, in eternity with God. Victory through suffering patiently. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the blessing of the truth in Jesus. He lived a perfect life, that he died a guiltless death. Through his resurrection, those who believe and follow him will be saved. God, I pray you bring that here and now for those that in the sound of my voice may be experiencing suffering, who are facing one of those, I'm going to get you days, and your path says, I want you to walk it. God, give strength, give encouragement, give support. God, I pray that you would bring relief, but if your will be done, not ours. God, in the suffering, I pray that you would bring patient endurance for those seek you, know your scripture, follow you. We may have victory in this life, in the eternity to come. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love for you to visit us in person at 8.45 a.m. for modern worship or at 11 a.m. for traditional worship. If you would like to plan a visit, simply text the word CONNECT to the number 205-772-4906 and you'll be sent a link to get you started. Thanks again, and God bless.